0: hey steve how are you good
1: hector how you doing
0: good good greetings so steve i've heard that you've been traveling lately a lot
1: Hmm. yeah the traveling it never stops you know how that goes never stops yeah
0: i know i know so i heard that you you've been in guatemala quite a bit uh, doing some research and investigation there and that you have been Re, uh, digging really deep into the um, issue of illicit uh, campaign financing down there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, can you can you tell me a little bit how how this whole thing, this uh, story and investigation started?
1: Yeah. You know it, it, it's it's classic, right, Hector? You know this. You know this from working in this for a long time. You know it starts with a conversation. Um, having a conversation, having lunch with a source, and he lets slip that the uh, that the Cetas criminal group, that you know, vicious Mexican criminal group, had visited the Guatemalan presidential palace in the early part of two thousand and eight. He couldn't put a date on it. Um, but you know he did say that this had happened. And obviously my ears perked up um, and, you know, I began to immediately start to put the pieces together. Pieces being, you know, other reporting that I'd done, uh, what I knew about the cetas at the time, what I knew or thought I knew about the Cologne administration. And one of the things that popped into my head was a story I'd done in late 2010 about a f- kind of a forced press release that the Setas had, had had issued via a small radio station in Cobán, which is sort of north, almost the heart, basically the heart of of Guatemala, is this city called Cobán, and they the Setas had gone to the radio station and handed over a press release for a DJ to read. And a guy I knew there had pulled off the side of the road and had tape recorded it, and he'd sent me the recording of of what they read because there was no other registry of this this particular press release. And in the press release, they said that the they had given eleven point five million dollars to Alvaro Colon for his presidential campaign which had been victorious the year before, 2007. And, you know, at the time, of course, this is a criminal group making this accusation. So, of course, you're going to take it with a grain of salt. But the press release that the DJ read over the air in that small radio station in Cobán had a lot of detail and some of the details were tantalizing and they were intriguing in in a way that made you think that maybe there's something there Um, and one of those details was about um, was the use of a name that they said um, was el bigote, el bigote meaning moustache Right, and they and they made the claim in the press release that basically, Alvaro Colon's henchmen had killed El Bigote. Right, so then the question became, you know, well, who is El Bigote, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, it sent me on this this trail um, that led to this story.
0: Okay, hold on. So, but this is pretty big. Uh, you're telling me. So, we've heard a lot lately about you know two presidents of Guatemala being involved in illicit uh, campaign financing, but we haven't heard a lot about Alvaro Colom. And we're, you're telling me that now the Setas are involved, and through this uh, Bigote guy, through Abdul or Who's this guy? Where where does El Bigote come from?
1: Well, um after a little digging, you know, found out and and actually wrote this in the 2010 report that that El Bigote was was who you said he was. He was he was this guy named Obdulio Solorsano. Obdulio Solorsano is um he was originally a, you know, I guess a small businessman. He's from um a state um in the sort of um, you know, southern Pacific coast of Guatemala called Escuintla, a state known for being a sort of hotbed of crime and criminal activity, corruption, contraband, drug trafficking, um, hitman networks, you name it. Um, a traditionally very violent place and crime ridden. He'd grown up in this atmosphere and he had a couple of businesses. He had made contacts through his businesses and through his sort of personal life that connected him to politicians um, and would-be politicians. And he was what you might call a fixer. He was a person who connected different people to do business. Uh, many times there are people who come from the outside, sometimes people who live there, but people need connections, right? So if you're a businessman, you need a connection inside the government or somebody who's going to you know, push a contract your direction. So he was kind of the person who connected those two different pieces in different ways. And he caught the attention of Colon's party, which at the time was a, you know, a nascent party, a new party, uh, just emerging, trying to establish itself. Uh, Cologne himself had run for for president under the banner of the former guerrilla group earlier, and then had created this, um, you know, this new party with his wife Sandra Torres, um, and and they were looking to position themselves. and And certainly, a guy like this could help them. He ran for Congress, won won a congressional seat in two thousand and three and became a, a you know a, a fairly prominent member of congress if not a very vocal one and and continued to sort of expand his networks and become more and more prominent within the party by doing what he did in a by being a fixer by connecting the pieces and these pieces began to include i would say increasingly criminalized actors i mean in all of these places there are people who work in um, they work in these gray areas, right? There's, you know, there's people who are, people who are working, at, at, you know, kind of for drug trafficking organizations. But there are a lot of people who work like in the middle, right? They they do a lot of things that are legal and they do a lot of things that are illegal at the same time. So he operated in that world, in that gray that gray area, and he was very very good at it, and that kind of positioned him very well within the party. Um, and he became incredibly important uh, to to the party over time and by 2007 then he had um, uh, he'd become one of several people who was in charge of financing the campaign financing Colon's presidential campaign for 2007
0: leal y obediente a la constitucion politica de la republica cumplirla y velar por su cumplimiento so it, it was the kind of fixture that could bring in the money and people support and uh, uh, at the end of the day, the votes that this guy and this party needed, right? Okay, but where in this story of this fixture and this new party, uh, uh, where does the setas come in? I mean, how, how does this, you know, nefarious Mexican violent criminal drug trafficking organization gets uh, into this political strategy. And at the end of the day, how come, uh, and I go back to the beginning of your story, how come the status end up being so hungry at Cologne that sent him this message through the radio? Yeah. In 2007,
1: when he joins the campaign and becomes a very high-ranking official in the campaign, Sir lorsono is assigned... To uh, go after money in various uh, states, northern states of Guatemala. One of them is Alta Verapaz. And the capital of Alta Verapaz is this city, Coban, where this whole story starts. And Coban was the de facto headquarters of the Setas. The Setas was an organization, a criminal organization, that was trying to expand and become independent at that time. And part of that process was to enter into and gather full force um, and really become a drug trafficking or much more a drug trafficking organization by taking over Guatemala, taking over the state of Guatemala. And so these two things come together. Solorzano is running out the Vera Paz and the setas are coming in to put a footprint And even more, basically take over Guatemala at exactly the same time. So they need each other. They're both in need of something, and they can both give some sort of return on that investment. And that's what the setas thought they were getting. Um, At least that's what they claim they thought they were getting. Um, They thought that by passing money through El Bigote, Solorzano, to Colon's campaign, in this case, they say they passed $11.5 million. We don't know if that was all their money or just a collection because really what Solorsono did during the campaign was collect money, uh, you know, via various sources. Collect What you do is you collect money. Um, you know, you get to use infrastructure of people. So, you know, hotels for events. They give you services. Um, so maybe they give you drivers or private armed guards or they give you you know, free cell service. So there's all different ways to support a campaign. And certainly Solórzano was securing all that, but part of that was cash money. And part of that cash money, we believe from talking to numerous people who also provided some of this money and who worked um, in lockstep with Solórzano, that this money came from illicit sources, including the setas. So this is how it all comes together. Happens is over time. After Colon has won, Solórzano is slowly sidelined. While the Setas go and try and you know meet and do, uh, from our understanding, do meet with somebody in the presidential palace. Uh, we we don't we don't have any reason to believe they met with Colon. Um, you know we think it may have been a, a high up aide, but we don't know. We don't have confirmation on exactly who it was. But there was an investigation into this, uh, into that meeting. But even even though they get in, um, you know, the, over time, both the setas and people like Solórzano are sidelined. They're pushed aside, and there are there's a lot of infighting in the Une. And and while Solorsono himself gets a prize of sorts, he gets a, a high-ranking position in a development organization that's part of the part of the state, and he's able to continue to do his fixing and become very powerful. Over time he gets increasingly sidelined and basically pushed out of the party to the point where in 2010, year out of office, he's he's been pushed out by corruption scandals. Um, he's increasingly isolated and he even from our understanding starts to look for inroads with other parties and that sort of being a traitor to that level uh we think may have just set him up both his knowledge of what had happened and this sense of maybe tra uh, being a traitor to other political parties really set him up for his fall he was assassinated in 2010 and so this is the the elements of the public communique that the set does put out in, in late 2010 is they're saying that Cologne betrayed them. They gave the money, they gave it through El Bigote, Solorzano, and in return, you know, what do they get back? They're being at that point persecuted by Cologne and the DEA and others who are going after them in their headquarters at the time in Koban, And Solorsano himself is dead.
0: Uh, so, did you talk to, to the man himself? Did you talk to Colom about this? Does, what, what does the guy said in, in, in his defense? These are huge things that you're, we're talking about.
1: Yes, I did talk to now former President Colón in, in an apartment where he lives now in, in Guatemala City you know, to be fair, I went to talk to him about something else. I was, at the time, doing another project, so I hadn't necessarily prepared him to answer this line of questioning, but I did ask him directly about Solorsano. I did ask him directly about whether, about the rumors that, that he had been Guatemala, financed or his campaign, no been financed financed his campaign had been financed by by drug president. money. With regards to the drug money question, he categorically denied it. Uh, he made a joke that had he eleven and a half million dollars, he would have won in the first round. He ended up winning in the second round of the election. And he also said that that he was that he was attacked. That 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 there were other drug traffickers that had actually tried to assassinate him precisely because he had such a strong, you know, anti-narco position. So he tried to give, you know, he positioned himself, uh, you know, behind this idea that he that he was a, um, you know, a, a, an anti-narco crusader. And again, to be fair, by the end of his administration, even if at the beginning it wasn't necessarily true, uh, by the end, he certainly had created a reputation for himself for going after narcos. But at the beginning, it was definitely, you know, a, a, a bit of a question mark there. It's
0: believed the gunmen belonging to Mexico Zeta's drug cartel were responsible for the weekend massacre, leaving bodies and body parts scattered across the pastures. A pregnant woman with a young
1: child. Um, and so and with regards to to Solorsano, he told to, he spun a, a, quite a few strange tales, um, revolving around you know his knowledge of Solorsano's movements, his connections with Solorsano's. Um, movements or, or, or the people that, that Solorsano was connected with, which would include drug traffickers. He, he made a claim at a certain point that he tried to fire Solorsano and that the U.S. ambassador at the time, Stephen McFarlane, had called him and told him not to fire Solorsano that that Solorsano was a target of investigation, so please don't fire him. Um, I went to Stephen McFarlane and asked him if that was the case, and and he said uh, by no means had he ever done that. So there were a series of very you know strange stories that were coming out about this, and um, and and they were coming coming from him who who I had heard from many many sources. Actually, had a close relationship with Solorsano, and that is kind of where the story becomes tragic. Because when Solorsano is killed, you get no sense whatsoever that he was of importance at all to the political party or to Cologne at all. I mean, there is no um, there is no message from the Une. There is no announcement from from Cologne. He's just killed, and, and I even went to investigators at the attorney general's office and, and asked if they even knew who he was, if they'd investigated the case, and no one even knew who he was. It was, like just, it was just like nothing had, had even happened, and here was this guy who was a congressman. He was very high up in the UNE party. He had played an incredibly vital role in electing President Colón, you know, the president, and, and there was not a, not a mention about him.
0: it's indeed quite a a big story um and again as i said you know we've heard recently a lot about other presidents or former presidents we've heard a lot about current president uh, jimmy morales heard a lot about uh former president perez molina but had heard less about president column in this regard and it's it's actually a very a very big story of this uh relationship with Setas through this fixture that ends up killed. At the end of the day, Steve, this story and this particular story on, on Column de Une, Bigotes, uh, Solórzano, and, and the Setas, what what's these things, these kind of stories, uh, complicated mixed stories of uh, politics, crime, illegal money, what does this mean for, for, for Guatemalan democracy in general? Well, you know, at
1: the time this was happening, Guatemala didn't even have an illicit campaign finance law um if you can believe it so as far as we know there were no laws broken here if the money did go in you know he he very well may have had no knowledge of this whatsoever or very easily could have avoided any contact any part of the financing side of this but but the larger issue here is that there, there, there are no controls, um, you know, or even when they set up these controls, which they have in more recent years, they've just been largely ignored uh, by the major political parties. The other larger issue here is that these particular uh, financiers are are not going away. Uh, the, this is this is the way that politics is financed. It's financed, uh, whether it's by a drug trafficker or a legitimate businessman, it's financed under the table.
0: Yeah, someone said that this, this kind of financing and the players around it and what it means then for a presidency is kind of the original scene uh, in, in Central American politics, not, not just in Guatemalan politics. Well, great Steve, great story, great conversation.
1: Thank you very much, Hector.